Welcome to a new episode of NY Jets Fans with your host, Davin and Kyle. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Jets Fans Podcast as we come to y'all with a new episode. Uh, training camp for the rookies is next week, and two weeks is for the vets to report the camp. And not just that, we're one month away from preseason, and we got to be pretty excited for football. Um, Kyle, what's going on? How you feeling tonight, man? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, I know it's pretty much a um... – uh, a slow week in, in, in football, but, you know, like you said, the uh, training camps are starting to come up. So I'm definitely, you know, anticipating and getting ready for, you know, to, to see what's going to start coming out of camp. Yeah. I'm, and I'm, yeah, I definitely agree with you and man, oh man, we, we got a special guest for y'all. Um, this has been a long time coming. Trust me. This has been really a long time. I've been trying to make make arrangements with this uh, with this great person. Um, I, w- I would say a great a great friend um, for for months. And now we finally making this happen. Um, y'all know him on Twitter at NYJetsTF Media and not just that, but also his YouTube um, take flight spitting sorry i'm sorry take flight spitting fire podcast um he's not other than harrison glacier what's going on man how you feeling uh, i'm good man i'm good i i appreciate being on you know it was uh you know it was you know a little difficult in the beginning hooking up you know i went my job during you know the school year i'm busy but i'm excited to be here man excited to be catching up with you guys talking all about them jets and like you know like kyle mentioned it's a slower time right now you know it's time where people you know are just chatting about stuff going on but it's still an exciting time you know even for like jet fans because we know like there's something in the air like it's different. Yes, it the, the the pieces yeah. are there. The movement. Joe Douglas is setting us up, man. I can't wait to get into it. But I just, <laughs> I love it, man. I feel like we are we're going places. Hey, we hey, we need more Jets fans to have your energy. I, I'm telling you this right now because every time I look at the Twitter, you you always posted something great and positive to say, and we really need that because it's a lot of Jets fans that's kind of still in a uh moment, and then there's actual fans that's actually excited with the offseason so what so how did you feel about the offseason and the uh, moves joe douglas made oh man joe douglas just absolutely killed it i mean i've been feeling for for a long time honestly since back in his first draft when a lot of people didn't agree with me i was like this we finally have a great gm like this is a guy that teams covet this is we finally have the right guy at the top and it all just trickles down from there and i knew it wasn't going to be immediate it was going to be a little over time and we saw a lot of it in his 2021 free agency in the draft he had last year just setting that foundation and this offseason man just killing it just absolutely killing it getting lakin tomlinson a pro bowler infinitely making the offensive line better just with one guy added you get two tight ends in the mix because like joe pointed out you know the wide receivers were getting expensive which they do you know wide receivers start getting it's crazy now like 80 million like they're getting paid like crazy so he said he pivoted to the tight ends brings in tyler conklin who's massively underappreciated love the potential of that kid cj ozuma you know what he's done in the draft mm-hmm. uh you know dj reed on the defense just the, killed it man this offseason love to talk about all those guys just absolutely killed it just again just laying the foundation same with this draft just setting this team up to be able to be successful on both sides of the ball yeah um i definitely agree with you and you know before you get to your question kyle the crazy thing is is that fans didn't understand was that joe douglas had to clean a lot of mess that matt made and i think it's maybe one or two players if i recall is left if not there's no players left and to finally have some money in the cat room to make the moves that he's making and he's not um you know like like saying oh here's the money you know what our old gms did he was like oh here's the money oh 
and and now and then we and then we stuck with them. So yeah, I'm so yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Go right ahead, Kyle. Extra question. I was gonna say, okay, with um, you know, you mentioned all of the different moves that 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 happened this offseason. I would say um between the draft and um the free agency um period, what were the you think the most important pieces of those two times in terms of the players that they got? Uh, and see, the beauty of that question is it just shows the foundation of what Joe Douglas is setting because so many players fall into that category. I mean, Sauce Gardner, the best shutdown CB in the draft. Man's an island. Like, instantly going to be a massive impact factor on day one. Shutting down top receivers in the league before we even know what's going on. Then you got guys like Garrett Wilson, top wide receiver as well. Unbelievable potential there. I mean, the, the list just goes on. And Jermaine Johnson, who I even had as the second best edge on my board. I loved this kid. Felt as a run stopper, which people are saying, you know, that's the biggest issue for the Jets right now, or one of them, which is true. But if you look at it, Jermaine Johnson was actually the best run stopping defensive end in the entire draft. Like this kid, I've seen the man make, can make double spin moves and stop running backs the second they get the ball. Like he's just ridiculous. Like I love this kid. I wanted him. But that fact that we got him at the end of the first round, like I was I was having a corner. Like I was like, I couldn't believe we didn't get our edge rusher. But I was like, oh my God, we got sauce. We got Garrett. This is amazing. Then I'm like, Jermaine's still on the board. Then he got, I just, I was ready to flatline the second. The second he took Jermaine, I was like, this is it. Like this is a, and that's Joe Douglas had, I would say between last year and this year, and I stand firm by this. I think it will prove down the road as two of the greatest consecutive back-to-back drafts in NFL history. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, a crazy yeah. take, but that's an amazing take. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So my, my thing is um, I will say this, how did you feel about the, because not just we got those, but we had got Brees Hall too, which um, a lot of people didn't expect the Joe Douglas to pull. It's like, he just pulled like, four guys that could potentially be first in each each of those positions, even though we think Jermaine Johnson number two, but he could potentially be that number one guy as well. How did you feel about that Brees Hall pick? Oh, just unbelievable. I mean, that was honestly, it was the Jermaine Johnson one that almost got me. And then Brees Hall just, I, I don't know how I stayed alive. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. It was unbelievable. Like if you think about it, just the best corner in the draft, the best wide receiver in the draft, one of the best edge rushers, then the best running back. Jo- Joe Douglas even said he was planning on trading back up to potentially get four first round picks to lock down Brees Hall. Man, I did an episode on him on my show uh, a little while back. Same with the edge rushers, man. He's just Oh, like we love Michael Carter. We love what he brings to the table. I think he's going to be a great compliment without question. But man, Brees Hall is a guy that in the last two years put up 3,000 rushing yards and 42 touchdowns. And in the receiving game, I've seen him make one hand catches like a wide receiver. Like this is a guy that's just bringing unbelievable talent. So man, like we mentioned before, just setting this team up, the quality offensive line with Lake and Tomlinson being added, the receiver core, that backfield, it's prime, man. This team is prime. Like, it's ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Go right ahead, Kyle. Um, I would just say, um, you know, with the draft, everybody normally has, like, you know, uh, I just say certain players that they're, you know, fond of and, and hope to, you know, the team would draft. Um, was there any of those guys that, that got away um, that you felt, oh, I, I wish the, uh, the Jets would have drafted them? It's interesting you bring that up. <laughs> it's because if you notice, almost everyone, 
unanimously at Garrett Wilson as the top wide receiver on their board. And my board's always different. And I, I always joke about it over years. People give me up. My, my dog's agreeing. <laughs> People always, you know, gave me crap about it. Like, oh, your board's different than the top analyst. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that, that's what that's what analysis does. Like, if it was the same thing, I wouldn't be analyzing it. I wouldn't be looking at it. I would just be agreeing. See, I've always looked at it differently, and I didn't have Garrett Wilson as my number one guy. In fact, mm. I actually had him a little bit lower, and I hope he proves me wrong. I feel like he's got an unbelievable catchability. Like, his ability to catch the football when it comes to that was off the charts, just out of control. Like his catch radius is insane for a person of his size, great hands, great ability. But I'll be honest, I really liked Chris Olave. Chris Olave was the mm. wide receiver that I really liked out of that because I felt like because of the hype Wilson was getting, he was slept on. And I mentioned that, I, I mentioned this in the past, that I always thought Garrett Wilson wasn't the best route runner. And I think it's because I was looking at it through Chris Olave rose-colored glasses because they're both on the same <laughs> team. And Olave, like he runs better routes than most NFL bell guys run like he was just nasty like he was great I, I was talking on my show all about it like people saying he's just a deep threat but that's not true I, I was really on the Chris Olave trend man but I don't and, and that's why I kept saying I didn't not like Garrett Wilson I guess just you know compared to Olave I just loved like you know when it comes to being able to create separation which Olave does in like microseconds I just loved that ability at the NFL level but I feel like you know Wilson has a lot of potential I didn't hate the pick I just really kind of wanted Olave and it's interesting because we saw Olave and uh, I don't know why he's blanking on his name. The guy the Lions took. I don't know why I'm having a. The guys can oh, help William. me on that one. Thank you, William. thank you, <laughs> Javon <laughs> Williams. <laughs> they just went right after, which were all two guys that I really liked and actually had above Garrett Wilson. But again, I, I hope he proves me wrong. I love his catchability. I think when it comes to, you know, being able to locate the ball and pinpoint it and make the catch, he is amazing. I felt like his route running needed to potentially be worked on. Not that it's bad, just for say, I've seen him make missteps and not be able to get separation. Like in college, it would maybe take, I would count it out. It would take him like maybe four or five, six seconds to get separation, which isn't bad because he would make an unbelievable catch. But at the NFL level, when the DBs are better, when they're more physical, I questioned it a little bit, but I, I do hope I'm wrong. Mm. I mean, that you know what? That that right there is the show. Like I had Gary Wilson as number one. Um, and I think I had Olave as number two. I I love I love both of them. Um I love both of their game. Um it was just Drake London. It was Drake London for me. I was hoping to dress and not draft Drake London. I'm happy. I'm happy they didn't. No, it's no disrespect to Drake London, but I I was really uh skeptical. I had them really low on my board. Um is there a position that you think that the Jets need and why? Honestly, and again, I love it. They, they put so much talent around this team. I feel like there aren't a lot of huge needs. Like the, even the things that people feel like are needs, like I would say the two biggest needs for the Jets are linebacker and safety. But and everything else just looks solid. Everything else looks stout and ready to go with depth behind it, which is important at an NFL level when, you know, injuries happen, which we've seen as Jet fans happen a lot. But even yeah. linebacker and safety, like I feel like they're not as bad as people make them out like CJ Mosley unappreciated year last year like pff just they just raked that man to the coals like they put his face down and rubbed it in it like it was bad like they had weeks where they were giving cj mosley like 28 point somethings and 32 point something and i'm like wow. okay i mean i know he's not you know at the point he was but he's not a scrub 
And he's not right. a scrub by, by any way, shape, or form. So I felt like he was good last year, especially because he lost weight. He was more athletic. He was all over the field. And I think it proved, you know, like I've been saying for the longest time, our defense is predicated on the pass rush. The pass rush isn't there. You've seen it with the Niners. It doesn't matter how good the linebackers play. It doesn't matter how good the corners play. It falls apart doesn't work. So our linebackers were forced to play cleanup a lot last year. That's why they had so many tackles. <laughs> they were forced to literally play cleanup last year on a defensive yeah. line that wasn't containing like it was supposed to, not allowing them to really do what they're supposed to do. And then you got Quincy Williams, who I thought started to shine last year. He's very athletic, very fast, big hitter, showed well in coverage. Actually, I believe PFF said last year he didn't allow a single touchdown. He started to show in what his biggest weakness was, which is coverage. So I think that linebacker room's not as bad as everyone makes it out, especially when you got guys coming back like Jamie and Sherwood who looked pretty good as a Mike last year like he came in as a Mike middle linebacker and he looked pretty good he looked solid he looked really good in his rookie year and then you got guys like Hamza Nasseldine who haven't even seen yet who I honestly felt was the biggest steal of last year's draft I freaking love that kid so I feel linebacker rooms underappreciated same thing with safety I mean you got a great corner room right now the corner room is just pretty much elite so that being That's, the case makes it easier for the safeties. They just have to run, uh, run, contain, big hit, you know, pass, protect in the backfield. And you already got Jordan Whitehead to do that. So you're really just looking for one guy. And out of that one guy, it could be LaMarcus Joyner, who when he's played safety has been elite at the NFL level. He has a career PFF of 90 when playing safety. Mm. Could be Jason Pinnock, who I thought looked pretty damn good last year. And I liked him as a draft pick. And he's a big, strong dude. And he's fast. Could be another guy like Will Parks. Like, so I think honestly, like even though linebacker and safety are our biggest weaknesses, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I think this team all around, again, Joe Douglas, he knows what he's doing. Like everyone always said he's crazy. I was like, man, that man's crazy like a fox. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I think we're just set, man. We're set up. And even again, what we consider weaknesses, I think could surprise could surprise some people, especially on defense, if the pass rush is there. Yeah, and I think you got Kyle very excited with the Nasuddin uh, <laughs> speech because Kyle really loves Nasuddin. Yeah, he, he never got a chance last year, which is crazy. Like that's and that's kind of the point too. Like Quincy and CJ were so good, he barely got a shot, even when you know he was healthy. So you know who knows him, Sherwood, either one could come in, and then you got CJ and Quincy on the outside spots. That ain't a bad linebacker room all of a sudden. Yeah, definitely. Like I said with um, like I said with Nazardine, he was definitely somebody that um, like I wanted him to draft, and it was funny because when Sherwood went first, I was like, wait, why didn't you guys draft Nazardine? And then they ended up drafting him in the sixth round. So I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, bro, like, that's funny. I did the same thing. That's so funny. I said the exact same thing. I was like, oh, well, if you're if you're gonna take a safety to play linebacker, I wanted Hamsa, but yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that, like it was a little roller coaster ride, but I was, you know, happy with the outcome. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would say speaking of roller coaster rides, um, you know, coming in, you know, to his um his second year, you know, as a starting quarterback, um, I would say, what do you think is the um the biggest thing that we need to see from uh Zach coming into um his second year? Man, you know, one of the biggest things with Zach Wilson, man, and they talked about it last year, uh, Michael Ford literally put the point on the head. One of the biggest issues he was having last year was with his short accuracy. And anyone who watched Jack Zach Wilson play, like in college, that was never a problem of his. People said he can't throw the ball short. It's like, well, have you watched the kid play? Like that, that was never a problem of this. It was just weird. That was all of a sudden a problem. And it has to do with learning the system, learning the nuances, learning the cadences and everything like that. But 
uh, Mike LaFleur even pointed out there were specific things Zach needed to work on. And one of those specific things was getting his feet and his eyes in the right place and being able to properly go through progressions. And I, I, I love it, man. You guys, as you know, you know, on Twitter, I bring a lot of the, uh, you know, the quotes from like the coaches, the players, and they all, there's so many of them, but like without even going through all of them, they all reiterated it. Like throughout the process, they all talked about how Zach was improving in the same things. Like his eyes were getting better. His feet were getting better. His placement was getting better. They said he had great early command of the offense. He was being more vocal. As we know, as everyone likes to say, he's beefed up, right? He got stronger, which if anything shows his commitment. Like without, you know, up to you guys, you know, going into the whole Becton thing in the opposite situation, yeah. Zach beefing up and showing that shows commitment, shows dedication to his craft. And that was always the biggest thing with me. I, I, I always said, this was the kid I wanted. Like in the whole yes. draft process, I wanted Zach. Like I was banging right. the table long before many were because he just checked all my boxes of those things. And they've been talking about it since his rookie year, his amazing ability to learn, to learn the system, to get better, to focus on the little things. Like that always, I loved it. Cause like, it felt like they were explaining like the rookie greats, like a young, I hate to say it, but Tom Brady, right? Who else yeah. focuses on the little thing? They, I forgot again, there was so many quotes, but one of them kept saying, Zach will do the same play over and over and over and over till he gets a certain thing right he'll fixate on a specific thing he wants to work on a specific thing and he's always working on i love it man i think zach has the potential to be unbelievable this year and joe douglas has set him up to do that like one of the biggest things us jet fans have had in the problem in the past is that that's been the biggest problem in the past our quarterbacks not being set up for success like we literally saw mark sanchez with a stout team around him leads us to two afc championships Whole team gets hurt the next year. They're like, oh, okay. And then trade everyone away the following year. They're like, I wonder what happened. <laughs> like yeah. Joe Douglas is finally, again, setting Zach up for success, man. Like the wide receiver room is just, it's the wide receivers, the tight ends, the offensive line, the running backs. It's just stacked. It is just an absolutely stacked team. And it's really, really exciting. Yeah, I think it really is. And, you know, uh, and I, I was one of the few that actually wanted Zach Wilson. Um, uh, I know Kyle wanted Mac Jones. But that's for another day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think what people really not talking about, even though we talk about Jermaine Johnson, is Carl Lawson coming back from injury that can that could be woof amazing for that for that D line. You know that could open up the game more for Quentin Williams, Jermaine Johnson, and the other guys. Um, how 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 you feel about Carl Lawson coming back? Oh, without a doubt, man, it's absolutely huge. And I actually you mentioned it. I actually did an episode on my own, you know, my podcast, you mentioned not too long ago back just about that because it's such a great thing. Like we look at what Carl Austin's done. I mean, uh, we look at the years and the production he's had ever since he, whenever he gets hurt, he's always come back better. Right. He had his injury in college, came back the next year, had one of his dominant years in college, allowing him to, you know, be drafted in the middle rounds. He got hurt in 2018, obviously tore that same ACL. But then in 2019 and 2020 had career years. I mean, in 2020, he was unbelievably dominant. The numbers of like 64 QB pressures. I don't have them all in front of me, but they're just unbelievable. The numbers. It was crazy because I felt this way when we drafted him, like when we dropped our drafting, but when we signed Carl Lawson, when we <laughs> signed him, <laughs> not drafted, obviously, when we signed him I was like you know oh his sack numbers don't add up like he doesn't have huge sack numbers but then you look at everything else and like his QB knockdowns tied for first in the league with TJ Watt like his QB hurries 
top of the league. Like everything's top of the league. The sacks just weren't there. And it felt like he was one of those players like a Shaq Lawson where, you know, going to a new team and was always playing at a high level. It finally translates like a switch goes off. And as we've seen, you know, I've always said this at the NFL level for a guy to come back, he's got to come back better than he was like, especially at this level, because it's such a high level of competition. There's always a million guys behind you that want the job that you have. So if you're going to do it, you have to come back better than you were before. Not even same. Like we look at guys like Victor Cruz, he couldn't make it for a little while, but his knee was stronger than when he got hurt. Teddy Bridgewater's knee was stronger. That's how it's got to be. And Carl, I always said, you know, he's got to come back better. He literally said that. He's like, every time I've got hurt, I've come back better. My plan is to be better. Well, man, if he's going to do what he did in 2019, 2020, if he can put that kind of production up, the sack should follow, especially with guys like Quinning getting double teams. Man, this could be if Carl Lawson can stay healthy, especially with the talent on that defensive line. With the young guys, like you mentioned, like Jermaine Johnson, there's a lot of eating on this defensive line. This could be a really, really quarterback pressure defensive line that we haven't seen in a while for the Jets. I definitely agree with you on that one. Go right ahead, Kyle. Um, I would say speaking of just, you know, overall improvements that that's going on, um, I would say based on so far with the offseason and and with um you know the the draft happening um what do you who what area do you think that the jets improved that most going from last year to this year that's an interesting one i mean they've improved a lot at corner in the corner room but i was one of those few people that thought the corner room was pretty damn good to begin with i thought bryce hall was slept on and i thought brandon Eccles had a really good rookie year so and michael carter too so I think the corner room's gotten a lot better. I thought it was pretty good to begin with. Ah, that's a really good question. I would say, if anything, probably the pass rush. Probably the pass rush because JFM is now kicked to the inside where even Robert Sala said that's where he thrives. He thrives there. And he literally pointed out in one of his interviews that he knows Quinning gets double teamed. It's his job to win the one-on-ones and he plans on doing that. So the two of them could be dominant from the interior. Again, Carl now healthy again. you got Jermaine Johnson, who I think was an outstanding pick, especially where they got him. Like I was ready to take him at four. Like if they took Jermaine Johnson at four, I would have been cool with that. Like they got him at like, I think it was 26. Like that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy town and then you got michael clemens who's very slept on like you look at michael clemens people joked about it this dude should be an offensive lineman his his arms are like massive i went back and watched film of him because i always remembered he was supposed to be a higher draft pick but they were like you know off-field issues they talked about you watch the film of this kid Man, he looks like a grown man playing with boys is what he looks like. He freaking manhandles people like he's that kind of physical, like nasty, physical defensive end that you kind of don't see anymore. Like a guy that just goes through you and into you more often than you would expect. Like he's not a guy that's going to go around you. But if you stand between him and the quarterback, it's not going to be pretty <laughs> like this man. He just <laughs> manhandles people. And it, I think he slept on that, especially as a fourth round pick. So you've got him, you got Jermaine in the mix, man. I think that pass rush, because it wasn't as good as it was supposed to be last year. It was very like, you know, some weeks it was there, some weeks it wasn't. And that caused the whole defense to suffer. So again, this whole defense is predicated on that. So I think because of how important it is, I would say the pass rush. Yeah. Um, and just in your opinion, because, you know, this is not a, a win or loss. This is not wins and losses or records per se. Um, what what would you like to see from from this team from from last year now that they in um, not just uh, Salah, but they also in LaFleur's second year offense and, you know, um, Salah's system and second year? Um, what are your expectations from from this team? 
and, and gear two. Man, I love that you asked that question because last year it was funny. Like everyone was always wondering that. And I said last year it was like cautious optimism. Like, you know, you're excited, but Salah's in his first year. The floor again was in his first year. And he struggled a little bit, as we saw. Zach was in a lot of guys in their first year. But man, this year, I say, you know, last year you didn't want to get your hopes up too high. Man, the acquisitions we've made in the draft the talent level we have on this team. Like we look at all, you know, the teams that were in the playoffs last year, the two Super Bowl teams had amazing receiving courts, like unbelievable receiving courts. Defense looks a lot better. Again, the pass rush looks a lot better. Now, I don't want to sound too crazy, but I think this could be a team where nine wins is honestly its floor, like that it could be nine or more. I honestly feel that way. Wow. That's a that's an amazing answer. You know, certain Jets fans would be like, "Oh, that sounds crazy," but you know, anything is is possible. And we, I think, the whole thing is that we saw that from the um the Bengals last year. Nobody didn't expect the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl after having the same record the Jets had, which was three wins, I think, three or four wins. And nobody didn't expect the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. So anything is possible with this team this year. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. Yeah. And like you pointed out, you know, the Bengals, that's a team where young quarterback trending in the right direction, they put talent around him going into that second year. So yeah, I just, I look at the talent on this team. It's just, it's really talented. And of course, you know, the offense will be made or broken by the quarterback, but I really think Zach Wilson has the potential to be absolutely special. And Joe Douglas has given him what he needs to do that. I feel like the defense, you know, just our secondary, like I dare people to throw against us like sauce, DJ Bryce Hall, like, Michael Carter the second, like do it, <laughs> like throw the ball, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to see what that what that young that young tandem can do. Cause man, it it's it's been such a long time since the squad had a a really young a young team that's going to be ready. You know, now this is the definition of all gas, no breaks. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Go right ahead, cop. Um, I would say the. Speaking of, I guess, um, just what your expectations are, um, I would say, what do you think your, I would say your, um, if you had to uh, make a bet, who, who do you think is going to win the, the left tackle job? Honestly, but even without it being a bet, if I just would go with what I want, like I look at left tackle, like that's the guy that's protecting your quarterback's blind side. You want the guy at left tackle to always be the better pass protector, if anything. And George Fant last year, what George Fant did last year at left tackle and pass protection is not stated enough. Like, people need to talk about this more. Like, he was one of the best tackles in the whole NFL period in pass protection. Like, if I remember correct, in most categories, the only guys better than him were Andrew Whitworth and Tristan Wirfs. And if those are the wow. only two guys better than you, you're, you're doing something right. So, right. man, exactly. I just look at that left tackle. Like, again, it's, you know, running blocking is good. I know I want Becton to develop and become something, but, you know, you want your best pass protector. there. You've always wanted that on the blind side. So I feel like I really want Fan to stay at the left tackle. And even if you look at, you know, old football, or they don't follow it anymore, really, but old football, the right side used to be, you know, your nastier side, you know, your, your more physical side. So if anything, Becton works over there at right tackle. He can put some people's in the dirt yeah i definitely yeah. agree with you on that one. Oh, and my fault um yeah and my and my and my other question is is we saw joe douglas do do a lot of the crazy trades especially with draft picks um what which trade was was your favorite because my my favorite and always will be will be jamal adams trade 
which he got away scot-free, and I don't know how he did it. Um, I think no other team would have took, would have gave up two first rounds and a third round in for a safety. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, if we're going all time, then yeah, of course, that's got to be it, man. I mean, like we were making jokes at the time, like we just, we robbed Seattle blind and they're like, no, that's not true. And I forgot who pointed it out, but they were uh, they were pointing out, you know, on like Twitter or something, they had Jamal, the Seattle tweeted Jamal in like a tweet about something. And all the Seattle fans were just ripping him apart. They're like, we wasted two first rounders on this man. Like we paid this man insane amounts of money. Like they, they were saying like, this is why our organization is bad. It was like the right. old Jets now. It's like this man was trying to get away from us. If anything, it's like we took the stigma and put it on him and said, here you go. Right. <laughs> and we like we sent it there like it, it's just perfect man it's like that one easily like that will you see the ones on twitter and people like you know them joe douglas holding seattle at knife point like that'll always be one of the crazy <laughs> trades like of all time but in this last draft man trading up for jermaine johnson was huge like that was like i knew he was still on the board i was like we gotta get this guy like we just walked away with unbelievable talent i wanted him at four or ten like we gotta get this guy that was a huge huge trade and then to find out even joe was willing to trade back up to get Brees all shows man this guy he's willing to do whatever he's i think he's proven that you know he's willing to do whatever is necessary to get what he knows is good talent to bring the right guys in i think you know he said it best like it was i think it was a year or two ago you know everyone was like oh he's not spending the right money yeah he's not spending money on scrubs he basically said i think the exact quote was when opportunity meets will be aggressive it was i don't, I don't have it exactly but it was it was something along the lines of that where like when the talent level and the opportunity is there we will be aggressive and we've seen that joe has been massively aggressive at times and conservative at times where we look back and go that was a good move like we look at what he like the money he's paid jordan whitehead is nothing like we need to accept like this man is making nothing like he's going to be dominant next year and he really ain't making that much right and i right. definitely agree with you on that one and not only that I think I think what people is not really talking about is the Darnold trade too, because mm -hmm. even though it's a second round and a fourth and sixth round, and we saw Baker Mayfield got traded and it was for nothing. The Panthers gave the Browns nothing. And I feel like look look at Joe Douglas. He he made the he made the Panthers give away three picks and, and Darnold doesn't have a shot at being the starting QB, which is very sad, but that's the that's what it sounds like. Yeah, what about the Carolina Panthers? Just well, what they're collecting the 2018 first round quarterback. <laughs> like they, they just need to find Josh Rosen to complete the set. And then exactly. they'll be golden. <laughs> right. Yeah, go right ahead, Cop. Yeah. All right. For I guess for my, my last one, um, we talked about a little bit of the history of the Jets, whatever. So I'm gonna ask you in terms of a history question. Um, even though it might be a little bit early to you know, uh, to judge because it was this year. Um, what do you think was um, a, a better draft? This year's draft or that Pennington draft? Oof. I mean... I, said, I know it's kind of tough because these guys haven't played yet, but just in terms of the quality of players at the time that they were drafted, what do you, what do you think? What do you think, what, uh, which draft do you feel was a, a better draft? Yeah, see, I even have to bring it up now because there was, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking, I know there was a lot of talent. Yeah, I'm looking at it yeah, now. Was, you got <laughs> Sean Ellis, you got John Abraham. Um, Man, John Abraham is like, he was like the perfect example. Like, that was the last time the Jets really drafted a guy high as an edge rusher that panned out. And like, we didn't even keep him his whole career. And that was like two decades ago. 
Like the fact that we got Jermaine Johnson and Michael Clemens this year, like can't be understated. But like, yeah. man, you got Lavernius Coles in that draft. Oh. Yeah. Obviously, Penny, Graham Ellis. I'd say at the level. I wouldn't obviously those guys were all dominant, amazing Jets. That's the thing. Ellis, Pennington, even Beck did a few good years. Cole's obviously dominant Jets. So I would say at has the potential to be at that level, has the potential to be even better. But then we look at last year, what he did, just last year's draft was unbelievable. I think those two drafts together are like just insane. Like you look at the talent that was collected in just these last two drafts, like man, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah and, uh, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my final question would be: um, just just as a Jet fan, not just you, you know, talking to all all of us um, great Jets fans and um, giving us the great quotes and you know and the great knowledge. Um, just as a Jet fan, what is your what is your favorite moment? You mean my favorite favorite uh, moment? Just like, like in the past, like yeah, like in the past. Uh, there's so many good ones. I mean, I'll be on that 2015 game, even though it was so rough, man, that I, when I thought we were going to the playoffs, like that was exciting oh, that man. year with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, oh, like, that, but that as thinks. a kid, man, I mean, I was too young, unfortunately <laughs> to remember the 98 run, but like, I remember those first two years with Pennington. Like I have, you know, memories of him just dominating. And, and I've said this before, and I, I stand firm on this. People tell me I'm nuts, but I think Chad Pennington, <laughs> if he never would have gotten hurt, he could have been as good as Tom Brady. Like, I don't think Brady would have just dominated the AFC East like he did. I think the two of them would have went back and forth. Maybe each one winning like three or four, give or take. Like, I think Chad Pennington, man, that guy was unbelievable before he tore that soldier uh, shoulder when he still had zip behind the ball. People forget he tore that shoulder twice, man. When he had zip behind the ball, he, he was even afterward one of the most accurate quarterbacks to ever play the game. Like, I, I love Chad Pennington. Man. That's kind of, kind of why it's hard to, you know, say any draft is better than his, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, just speaking of just Chad and his talent, you know, I, I brought up in um in a past um, podcast talking about thinking about what other team had, uh, was successful, but had three wide receivers that were under six feet. Because remember, he had, Coles, um, Crebet, and Santana Moss as his receivers mm -hmm. at one point in time and was, you know, was productive. You don't really see that, you know, a normal time. You normally have at least one big target for, you know, uh, for your quarterback. And the fact that he was able to do it with three under six feet, I always thought that was, you know, a great testament to his skill set. Oh, without a doubt, man. I mean, Wayne Crebet is like one of the greatest stories like i love his story man like i just it's unbelievable like i always remember like i was reading reading about it. I remember how he went to hofstra he showed up at the jets practice they didn't want to let him on he, he just shows up one day and they told him no he shows up every single day for like man it was crazy i think it was like weeks like he showed up every day for weeks until finally where they're like okay okay let, let's see what you can do and then obviously we know the rest is history like, man, I remember, you know, Wayne Corbett as a kid, like that, there were no other players I remember that were just willing to literally sacrifice everything. Like it was like a soldier, like blood, lifeline, like it didn't matter. Like he'll get the concussion. Like he will die to get that first out. You don't right. see that much. Yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And thank you for coming to join us, Harrison. We really appreciate it. This has been a long time coming. I'm hoping we can get you back before the season start. Um, I know that you do your uh, your podcast, not just the podcast. We also do the YouTube. So um, for the for the people that's listening, um, take the floor away. Um, let them know your YouTube where they can find you on Twitter and everything like that. Awesome, and I really appreciate that. And yeah, I would love to come back on. I always love talking about them Jets, so <laughs> whenever you guys want to have me, just hit me up. Happy to come back on. Love it, man. It was awesome talking with you guys. But you guys can find my podcast on YouTube. I got a live show I do on Mondays where we interact with the fans. We, uh, we I throw you know the comments up, uh, bring you guys different topics, talk about them, we chat it out. Love the interaction. It's a conversation with Jet fans, so please do come. It's live. The podcast is live every Monday at 7 p.m. I also put out content throughout the week, like shorter segments, on my player profiles and things like that. You can find the podcast on YouTube at the Take Flight Spit and Fire podcast. And again, that's the because it's a little long. <laughs> it's the Take Flight Spit and Fire podcast. You'll see my images like you see on Twitter. And if you haven't seen me on Twitter yet, on there, I bring you everything to do with the Jets, news, takes, updates, reports, everything. You find me there at NYJets. TF Media, but please do, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please find it there. Again, love to have you guys part of the conversation on Mondays. Again, we'll be usually we throw the comments up and talk about a lot of stuff. It's really awesome. But again, really appreciate you guys having me on. And I'd love to definitely come back again. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, man. And yeah, you know, and just and just you just being being a dedicated, you know, being dedicated to what you do is just so appreciative. Even when I with my kids or I'm at work, I always get I always look and you always posted something great and I'll and I'll make sure I'm like, yeah, that I, yeah, th this is right. You you're you're definitely right. You one of the the energetic Jets fans that I that I really like so much. And like I said, we we hoping to get you back um very, very soon. So thank you so much for joining us. And that's it for our episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Jets Fans Podcast. Also um, the Facebook page, uh Facebook group. Um, I think we got over 530 members on there, which is NY Jets fans. Those are for Jets fans only. Um, we do this for y'all every week. And until next week, we're taking flight.